Have you ever sat down to study the Bible and realized that you didn't really know where to start? Have you ever felt overwhelmed by all the different methods and tools and terms related to Bible study and wondered if you're really capable of understanding the words of Scripture deeply for yourself? If that's you, today's interview will be just the encouragement and help that you need. I'm speaking with Lydia Brownback, a Bible teacher, a conference speaker, and the author of a number of books, including the new Flourish Bible Study series from Crossway. In our conversation today, Lydia and I discuss 12 key tools for Bible study that all Christians can and should use, tools that will help us go deeper into the biblical text and understand the Bible's life-giving message for ourselves. Let's get started. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for joining me again on the Crossway Podcast. It's always great to be here with you, Matt. Yeah, so today I want to spend some time talking about Bible study, and in particular, some key tools that we can use for Bible study to help us go deeper into the text. And I thought it'd be fun to ask you, because you are a well-known Bible teacher, you've written Bible studies uh, for the church, and so I think you're going to have some good insights into this. I hope so. Uh, so the first thing that obviously we need when it comes to studying the Bible is a Bible, an actual Bible that we're reading from. And so I guess I'd just to start us off, what do you look for in a good print Bible? I look for a literal translation. I think that's really important. I mean, we want to understand the Bible in its original context before we make application to our own lives today. Mm. And in order to best do that, we have to we have to be sure we're accurate in in understanding how the people originally would have read it and written it. We want to understand in the original context how God spoke through those writers of scripture and how the original readers as well as the writers would have understood it because that is the way that we are supposed to understand it if we want to accurately know God best. Mm. So then what about uh, when it comes to the actual physical Bible itself? And obviously this is pretty subjective. There's lots of different types of Bibles with different sizes and type settings. But what is it for you? What are you looking for for like a Bible that you're going to study from? I love a big giant study Bible mm. and uh, with articles in it and lots of notes that have been carefully handled, done, prepared by a reliable team of Bible translators. And so I love study Bibles. Mm. And they have all kinds today, right? They have the women's Bibles and men's Bibles and kids' Bibles. And they're not changing this text of Scripture for these. They are just having specific notes or articles tailored to a demographic when mm. they do that. So there can be all kinds of helps for, for young believers. Uh, we There's some that have articles that are focused so much on the gospel that help people grasp the gospel and see that presented and where it where it's threaded all through the storyline of the Bible. Mm. So I do think a study Bible of whatever sort you might choose, someone might choose, is going to prove very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually another one of the tools I had listed here was a study Bible. I wonder if you think about all the features that are often included in a study Bible, what's the one or two that you use the most? I think especially when I'm doing a challenging passage, when I'm reading through it, I want to see, after I've read the passage, I'll go see what the notes say. And there's usually one or two really helpful insights that set it in context, that help me understand what that passage says. And then the other thing I love, either there in the notes or uh, the cross-references that are back up in the verses, mm. 
that will take you, link you to other related passages in the Bible. And, and that is such a helpful thing. When you want to see what the Bible says about a particular theme, or when you want to see how what you're reading in Galatians ties back to something in Deuteronomy, it's helped with the cross-references to have that link back. So you can just directly go and say, oh, I see how the Old Testament factors into the New, and how the authors of the New Testament drew from this, what Moses said. And Mm -hmm. it's, it really does help you get a, a, an idea of the big picture of the Bible. Yeah. Those features. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So another key tool that we often will have when it comes to Bible study is a pencil or a pen. So tell me, what are the kinds of things that you're writing in your Bible? (laughs) I use pencil because it's funny Mm. how when I've written a little notation in the side, I will find a few years later when I encounter it that my thinking might have changed. And so I like to erase that. So you'll actually be erasing stuff that's like two years old. Oh, yeah. Well, usually it's more like 10 years, but yeah, some of <laughs> two years. But yes, it's interesting to go back and see my own notes and how I've grown spiritually in my own understanding, in my own uh, walk with the Lord to to see, oh, I understand that d- more deeply now mm. or in a different way, a more accurate way. Yeah. And I, if it's in pen, I don't want to have to be crossing it out. I'd just yeah. rather erase it and write something <laughs> new. So I do, I do, some people reverence their Bibles so much that they don't feel comfortable marking them up. Mm. But a Bible can become like a friend, I think, where I think about someone I know who's had the same Bible for almost 40 years. It's falling apart now, and she doesn't want a new one because it's it's her friend, and mm. she knows what she's marked and the highlights and the the little notations she's made. And those those speak to her, her own notes. They, they help her in her reading as she goes through it. So I, I think... It's wonderful to feel comfortable mm. marking up your Bible and yeah. making it a friend. Yeah. So what are the kinds of things that you're writing in the margins? Well, I'll note a cross-reference, or I will say something about specifically how the Lord might be speaking to my heart about that text, something mm. that really strikes me. And uh, just a thought. I was thinking last week I was reading Psalm 115, and it was about idols and how those who make them become like them. And I made a few notes in there about some temptations to idols in my own life mm. and how that verse, that, that passage in there spoke directly to my heart that day. And then what it's communicating about the Lord uh, and what happens with that with idols and what, what the Lord wants us to know about them. Mm. And then maybe I'll jot down, oh, swing over here to Jeremiah 2 because there's more on that here or, or something in Hosea and... and so I'll make my own set of cross-references. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so fun. It's, it, it's exciting to see those connections. And then, yeah, to kind of get to put them in there yourself. Um, they have a, a, oftentimes a deeper significance for you. It's, it's an exciting thing to come back across those. Yes, it is. So have you ever seen people will sometimes have elaborate systems of certain marks or characters that they use. They'll circle words and make a certain kind of mark there to indicate certain things. Have you ever done anything like that? Do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't. I know a lot of people who do, and they use different color pens and pencils and markers, and they use different, they they color different types of speech and different patterns and things. And that's very helpful to them Mm. to do. That become then their Bible becomes a, a study tool in a really deep sort of way that's, yeah. that can be 
not, I wouldn't say academic, but I would say it's helping them learn. They found their own pattern of learning. Yeah. And whatever it takes somebody to be able to enter into the text, to know God more deeply in what he's saying, all these, all these tools can be really helpful. Yeah. Speak to that a little bit, the, the process of figuring out how you learn and how you want to engage, you know, with the Bible, with a pen or a pencil. Like, is there a, I think some people can kind of, they might see a pattern demonstrated to them, maybe from a mentor or from a book they read, or maybe they're going to listen to this interview and and kind of think, oh, that's the way it has to be done. That's the best way to do it. How have you thought about that as you've kind of developed your own approach to studying the Bible? I think if we try to follow a formula or what someone else has done, I mean, that can be helpful to us to get going. But if we feel we have to do it a certain way, we're missing the relational connection with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best approach, at least for me, and what I would suggest is to always sit down and do it prayerfully and conversationally with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll talk to him out loud about a passage I'm reading. Even when I say, Lord, I don't understand this. And so I pray for understanding or... And I always begin my Bible reading time, Lord, what would you say to me through your word today? And I pray for a tenderized, humble heart that would be open and receptive to what I'm seeing there. And even if it's something that seems, say when we hit the genealogies, and our temptation is to skip right over those. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if that's in our Bible reading plan, you know, we have to read it. Well, you know, yeah, but that doesn't just have to be, let's check it off. Let's, let's, Ask the Lord, what would you say? What would you show me? And even if you don't get it in that hour, he's going to answer that prayer sooner or later. The more Bible study we do, the more illumination we're going to get, mm. even about those difficult portions. Yeah. So I think I think doing it prayerfully is the best approach, even if we follow someone else's ideas of how to go about it. But mm. I don't think there's a right or wrong as long as we do it prayerfully and, and keeping faithful to what scripture is telling us there not imposing our own ideas of what we want the bible to say mm. it's 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 taking out of the bible rather than trying to read into it yeah so thus far we've been talking about you know marking in our bibles themselves uh, but some people also will read their bible study their bible with a journal a separate little volume of, of paper essentially uh, have you ever done anything like that journaled alongside your bible study and what what could that look like i do it every day and it, it just sort of happened Naturally, I probably started that 30 years ago. And while I'm reading or when I'm finished or even when I'm going into it, I will journal, but it's always addressed to the Lord. It's mm. These are journal entries. Oh, interesting. Say, so you're like, you're like writing or praying to God in that. Kind of, but I'll start it almost as, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll even write, good morning, Lord, you know, like whatever I just, and, and I will speak back to him in my journal what I've just read in scripture. Mm. And... It, it, it does become sort of a prayer for illumination. It's sometimes it's just re, rehearsing what I've just read and learned, but saying it back to him on paper, pen and paper. Mm. And thank you for showing me this. I never realized such and such. And I wonder how that is going to apply to this thing in my life. And I want to know more about this. Would you open my eyes? That kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you kept all these old journals? Yeah. Have you ever gone back and looked at them? Yes, I have. Huh. What's um, that like? It's amazing to see how my, my view and my understanding of Scripture have changed over the years. Mm. From being a baby believer, when I would think that when you pray and when Jesus said, ask for whatever you wish, 
I took that literally. And so I want this. So if I ask it, God will give that to me. Yeah. And now when I look back, I'm, you know, we're so, so I'm so thankful that the Lord uh, showed me the truth uh, that he doesn't do things our way mm. and to be able to recognize how scripture has changed me by means of the spirit and, mm. and reading it each day and how our, he does change our understanding over time. So having those journals and then looking back on them, it is a great way to chart the Lord's work in our own life and mm. heart that we otherwise might not be in touch with because we're living with ourselves every day. Yeah. We don't I, see it. I can imagine someone thinking about looking back at something they wrote, say, 10 or 20 years ago and, and feeling like, ah, I wouldn't want to see that. I'd be embarrassed. And I just... You know, have you ever felt those feelings or is it more of a, a encouraging thing that you get? Um, that's funny that you say that because <laughs> I recently said, only half jokingly, but I said to my uh, family member who, if something happens to me and you have to deal with my stuff, there's this pile of journals over there. Please just burn them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because some of it's really private. It's between yeah. me and the Lord and uh, things I was wrestling with, sins I was struggling with, um, just some embarrassing things about being immature mm. that, that I look back on now and I, I don't need anyone to remember. But it's good for me to remember because it does show me how far the Lord has brought me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Another tool that uh, we can use when we want to study the Bible is just a, a Bible study book of some kind, whether that's a, a workbook that you're actually writing in, it's written by somebody to help you understand the Bible, or sometimes it could just be a book that you're not writing in, but it's nevertheless maybe walking through a book of the Bible or through a theme in the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about how you've used those kinds of resources in your own life. I absolutely rely on those and love those. Mm -hmm. So I will look for um, perhaps a pastoral commentary even on that. So, mm -hmm. so some commentaries are a pastor's sermons on a particular book of the Bible that have been yeah. compiled into a book. Right. So it's not an academic commentary by any means, but it's, it is pastoral and it does teach you accurately uh, what a book of the Bible is saying. Mm. And to read that through, you're getting all these sermons, you're get, you're learning so much, but you're also getting this, this heart part. Um, so those have been really enriching. Mm. And I think there are, are great books that aren't commentaries that are just regular, books I think about a new one Crossways just produced Nancy mm. Guthrie's book called Blessed which is right. a walk through the book of Revelation and it's a beautiful entry point for people who aren't familiar with the book and it, to understand how to understand Revelation yeah so that kind of and there are many out there that are really good and reliable at every level yeah so Crossway has a knowing the Bible study series these little white books that are uh, interactive, meant to help you study each book of the Bible. We have one for, for everyone. And you also are writing a new Bible study series called Flourish, uh, also a workbook format. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're trying to do with that series and how that could fit into somebody's personal Bible study. I am more excited about that series than anything I've ever done in my life. And I, I think my, my prayer for this series mm. is that the women who do it, people who do this series, a, a book in this series, will come out of it in love with going deeper in Scripture, and it would equip them, get them excited about doing that. If they do, if they do one study of mine, that they'll want to go do their own studies mm. of, of each book of the Bible. So, so this particular series, um, each workbook is about 128 pages, and it's it's a walk through a book of the Bible. So, there's questions, reflecting questions reflective questions 
to engage the text. And then there's commentary threaded through as well. So I'm finding that there are just as many individuals using the series as there are groups because it, it doesn't have to just be done with a group. There's yeah. no video with it. There's nothing like that. It's, it's, people are using it in their morning devotions mm. to, to learn a book of the Bible. Mm. And so I'm excited about that because it is, I had someone this weekend, they done the, the volume on First and Second Peter, and they said that they had seen facets of hope in there. That's one of my, one of the big themes in Peter, but there's so much about hardship and struggle and trial that, that, that they'd missed the hope until they spent 10 weeks going through Peter's epistles. Yeah. And so by going deeper into a workbook type of thing, it does folk it does force us to focus slowly mm. on each verse, each passage, each theme as we go through. Yeah. So So each of these studies is ten weeks long, is yes. that right? Yes. And I think one experience we've all had, maybe from school at some point, is the the film the blank thing where you, know, you, you sort of have a question and there's, the answer is very obvious and you're kind of just looking for that right answer and it feels almost like fill in the blank. So why is that not what you're, how are you preventing it from being that as people think about what this could look like? Well, it's asking them to tie in, I'm trying to get them to see how a particular book of the Bible ties in with the overarching storyline of the Bible. Mm. How one book, it, 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 these aren't six, the 66 books of the Bible are not separate books. It's all one story. So we could almost say it's 66 chapters in one book. Mm. Uh, and so it, 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 we need to set each book of the Bible in context of the Bible as a whole. So I think going slowly through a book of the Bible in a workbook type of format mm-hmm. helps make those connections. Yeah. Because there's time to say, well, today we're going to spend time going back to the Old Testament and seeing where this factors into this, how this informed this New Testament epistle. Yeah. And so that that proves helpful, yeah. I think. So so sometimes there is a, I wouldn't say fill in the blank. I would say, though, in this in these five verses here, what are the four things Paul is wanting us to do? What are mm-hmm. the concrete actions? Yeah. And sometimes by, so it's not, it's kind of fill in, but you you have to focus on that angle of yeah. it. You're forcing them to slow down and actually yes. I notice those things. Yeah. Because so often, yeah, we just fly through stuff. We've heard it before and you don't really think about what it means. Right, exactly. Um, so I know you've released a number of volumes in this series, but I'm just kind of curious right now, obviously not right this second, <laughs> but right now, what what are you writing? What what book of the Bible are you working on this for? Um, it never gets old. I, I, you know, it's so exciting each time there's a new one. So I'm writing Ephesians right now. Mm, wow, and, what a wonderful book. Right, and uh, so breaking that into 10 weeks, that one's pretty easy to break into 10 weeks. Mm. I finished, I just turned in Job, which is wow. a very long what a one. And different ha- genre, I mean, so right? are, are, is there a specific approach that you're taking doing like all of Paul's epistles kind of together or are you intentionally trying to jump around in the Bible? I want to cover a, a kind of a wide swath of different, because I want to do some prophets, I want to do some of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, I want to do some Psalms, uh, some of the wisdom literature, mm. and uh, cover a lot of the New Testament, if not most. Um, so so it's the longer books that are kind of challenging to do in a 10-week study. So what I'm finding is groups that have, the, the, the longest one I have out right now is Luke. And so groups that decided to, 
to do this have decided to go longer than 10 weeks mm. or uh, find they follow along and do the 10 weeks. But there's a lot of reading. If you're going to read through the entire book during 10 weeks and do a study on it, there are weeks where you're doing a lot of scripture reading. Yeah. So, so that those are the more challenging ones. But, it, but individuals are finding that's not so much of a challenge mm-hmm. uh, in the same way. Uh, but again, it's still it's going slowly through, but it's doable. I've tried to break it down in such a way that it is. Yeah. Uh, so, so in in my series, you know, there's Ephesians. After that's going to be Jonah. So, mm. and then Habakkuk is coming out right now. Yeah. And that's a very short book of the Bible. And so you could really go in depth, and and go into the ties of other portions of Scripture because you're taking a short three chapter. Uh, book and mm-hmm. studying it over 10 weeks. Yeah. And it's really fun to do the shorter ones and yeah. go into great depth. It is amazing how, especially with a good Bible teacher, uh, scripture, you really can go as deep or stay as high level as, as you need to, to fit kind of the time or the space. Um, and, and you know, as you're saying, some of these studies could even be expanded to go more than 10 weeks if that was helpful. Yeah. Um, so you've already mentioned uh, commentaries. Uh, kind of a pastoral commentary that's maybe very applicational in flavor. I would imagine for maybe some listeners, just the mention of commentary, though, it, it sounds intimidating. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something that you know, only a pastor or a Bible teacher could sort of use profitably. Uh, so maybe help us understand what is the, the value of a commentary? What is it offering to the average Christian who just wants to study their Bible a little bit better? And what would be some things that you would recommend that they look for in a commentary? Well, as a when I'm when I'm going to study a book of the Bible, I like to have two commentaries for that book. I want to have an academic one and I want to have a, a pastoral one. Mm. I think people who are going to teach Bible studies, I recommend that. Uh, if you want to go really deep and get into the more technical aspects of it, um, that's a that's a great thing to be able to do. And if you can't afford to collect that many. Um, there are so many resources online mm. uh, from reliable websites. How, where, how many commentaries would you say that you have? Well, my goal is to collect two on every book of the Bible. So I, I'm, I'm slowly but surely doing that. I started my collection 30 years ago. So oh. so I'm probably halfway there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great privilege to be able to do it. I, I would say for the average, someone who's not um, going to be teaching just yeah. who wants to know and grow in their understanding of scripture. If you have to, if you have to, I pick, pick a pastoral commentary. You're going to learn as much. You're going to learn so much about it. You're going to learn the background, the history, um, ties to other parts of the Bible. And you're, you're going to get that application part two that's mm. going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So I think, for example, when I studied Ezekiel for the first time in my morning reading, and I really wanted to spend a couple of months going through Ezekiel. I found a commentary that was so great, it really helped me because it, it set it in a particular chapter of Ezekiel in, con, in its original context. And then it, it talked about how it, it crossed over later and it was fulfilled in the New Testament, different aspects of that and parts that, that are going to be fulfilled even later. Mm. And then it, set, it made application to our contemporary context now our, mm-hmm. our life today yeah and so it, it made sense of you know it, you, you look at Ezekiel for the first time and you think is this a madman like <laughs> what what was this and but by I think we we need help from mm. those whom God has raised up and equipped yeah. to teach us 
some of the harder aspects. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch who was enc- encountered the disciples and they said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Mm-hmm. He wanted to know and he wasn't afraid to admit that he didn't. And, he, and, and so God sent along people he'd equipped to help. Yeah. And, and I think we do, he's raised up certain people to teach to understand and to be able to communicate his truth. So making use of that for our own understanding of scripture is really vital. We don't have to go to seminary for that. There are so many great resources today, whether online or books we can buy. And, and then of course that that everyone will have access to, if they don't have a computer, they don't have uh, that is, if they don't have books um, is the church and other believers. So I think it's, it's, it's seeking out, um, wise older believers who maybe know scripture better and wherever you happen to be mm. uh, asking the Lord to provide that yeah for that, you. that was one of the other tools I was actually going to mention was just other Christians mm-hmm. um, speak a little bit more to uh, the ways that God has used other people to help you understand the Bible Wow yeah I, I look up to it's people I look up to I think about in Philippians and other places where Paul says imitate me, imitate us, imitate those who who walk faithfully mm. and so one of the things I imitate is how they study scripture and not necessarily like the underlining and the highlighting but when do they read scripture? How faithful are they? Do they, you know, is it every day and, and how long? And I, I just, I'm fascinated by how they live their lives, yeah. their time with God, their Bible reading, the resources they use, um, how much, what are they involved in in their church mm. and how do they grow in their knowledge and exposing myself to their lives as much as I can to try to imitate them. Who would you say in your life has had the biggest impact on you and your own study of the Bible in particular? Wow, in recent years, I'd say Kathleen Nielsen. Hmm. Uh, she is uh, kind of a under the radar a little bit, um, such a sound Bible teacher. And she, I, I, when I first heard her speak, she was at a retreat and she was walking through the 21st chapter of John's Gospel. And she did all these sessions just one verse after the next. And it was the first time I'd been to a women's conference. And after that, I thought, I want to I know what she how she goes about her life. And then I asked her once, do you ever teach topically? And she said, there's nothing wrong with that. That can be a wonderful thing. But she said, the time is short. And with the opportunities I have, I've decided that this is the most important thing. Mm. And I've never forgotten that. And so I've leaned more and more in that direction. Mm. In in, even in your own personal yes. study? In my, well, yes, in my own study. Well, in my own teaching, yeah. uh, especially. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think, I think... I read all kinds of books. I read a lot of topical thematic books. You know, I think about the one, another one Crossway just put out on on overcoming apathy. Mm. Um, what an amazing theme that speaks to all of us in our Western yeah. culture, right? Yeah. So, so we need those books too. Yeah, yeah. It's not an either or. Uh, you're right. just saying when it comes to your Bible study in particular, you, you try to, you've been focusing more on book by book. Yes. And yeah. then I think about uh, the pastors I've, I've, sat under, learned under, worked for, um, and how, how I, another, a pastor once told me that every day, every morning, in addition to his other Bible reading, at some point in the day, he reads one Psalm and one chapter of Proverbs. And, and if you think there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, Mm -hmm. if he reads one a day and he's committed to doing that for the rest of his life and what a wise man he is. Mm -hmm. And I think 
well, his marinating in Proverbs shows up in his life. Mm. And so, so little tips like that mm-hmm. are very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, a few other tools that, um, that might be a little bit less common, but nevertheless very helpful. What's a concordance? Uh, a concordance is is one of my uh, favorite things, um, it, and often they're in the back of a Bible, and so sometimes they're they're built right in. Yes, and yeah. I'd say many many Bibles have those built right in, and I do recommend Bibles that have those. So say say you see a term that you're like sanctification or or any word any word at all. What if you what if you're doing a study on on love? So you can go to the concordance and look up their, it's an alphabetical listing of terms, and then it will have all the references in the Bible that have that word. Now that's an exhaust, called an exhaustive concordance. That's when every single verse that contains the word love is going to appear in that concordance. <laughs> it's also exhaustive because it's so big. It's that so you big. You feel tired after you picked it up. Yes. So most Bibles don't have exhaustive concordances. They have they have a sampling. Mm. So they'll have maybe 10, 15 of the verses. Like but kind of key references for that, that term. Yeah. And then if you go to one of those references, you're going to see a cross-reference there to other references. Mm. So you can sort of build your own concordance as you go. Yeah. But it's really helpful if you want to understand a particular term or if you want to, if you're doing a thematic study on something, so so, think about like doing a study on the tongue, mm. and so you go there and you look up tongue, and then it will take you to verses on lying and gossip and and other things. Then you can go back to your concordance and look up verses on gossip and verses on lying and verses on all different kinds of speech patterns mm. and good talk and bad talk, and so it's finding key terms. And then s- sort of building like a theology of the tongue, mm. a theology of love. Like, like, so to see what scripture might say, what the Lord is saying to us mm. in his word by gathering, looking all over the Bible at a particular word and understanding not just that word and what it means, but the Lord and how and where he is in that concept and what he wants for us. Yeah. So it's such a helpful resource. Yeah. All right. How about a Bible dictionary or encyclopedia? How could that be helpful? Those those are those are really great too. It's so it's kind of a similar idea. Um, say you want to understand more about angels. So you have a Bible encyclopedia or dictionary, and it's just like any other encyclopedia or dictionary. You go look up that term, and if it's an encyclopedia, it's going to have a paragraph or two mm. explaining what that is in Scripture, what its history was, the background of that term, and where you're going to find that in the Bible, and what it means. So those can be really helpful and important, too. So if you're building sort of a theological library, mm. it's really good to have a Bible dictionary or encyclopedia. Yeah, like where would a, a one-volume Bible encyclopedia fit in your list of priorities, if you were someone who's kind of just getting started, trying to study the Bible, trying to be a little bit more intentional, perhaps with their their Bible or theological library, where would an encyclopedia kind of rank in your mind? I would say uh, underneath a con- uh, concordance, mm. um, but it, but if you're serious about wanting to teach or just to grow at that next level, yeah. it would be a really good addition. Uh, maybe before you start collecting a ton of commentaries, it would yeah. be really good to have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. Uh, another question. How about a Bible atlas? 
those those are great too. And I would say that would be a little lower on the list, but mm. so helpful. And study Bibles often have maps all through or, you know, various spots in the Bible. Yeah. But these having these maps, it's not just for the pretty picture, you know, it's it really does help us grasp the original context. Mm. So if you have in the Old Testament, you'll have maps of the Middle East and then what it was like then in Abraham's day. And then when you go to the New Testament and you see those same places, but with Paul's missionary journey stamped on them. So you say, oh, all this happened in the same mm -hmm. general locations and this is how it was different and this is how society had changed then. This is, it, it does help us understand visually mm the storyline of the Bible yeah. and how it's unfolding. Yeah, I know for me, in addition to like maybe helping me understand a particular passage a little bit better, there's also just this less tangible sense of when you see these maps and see these town names all over the place and roads and rivers, and it, it kind of makes the Bible more real in a sense because mm -hmm. you, you kind of, it forces you to realize, no, this was a real events that happened in real places. Um, do you ever have that sense as you kind of have studied a passage? Very much. And also what might have been involved when you, when you look at a map of in the, in the wilderness wanderings mm. back uh, in Exodus and you see what was going on there, you realize you can visualize where they wandered and, and the space that was the, yeah. the, the actual area and the geography and what it must have been like. So it helps you enter into their world a little yeah. bit. And oftentimes atlases will include, photographs of you know the areas and you know pictures of structures or diagrams of buildings so it really does kind of give you a, a more real tangible sense of what it might have been like yeah and and then building on that uh, a great resource i have a couple of these uh ones manners and customs of the bible uh so it takes you through each era of biblical history and it talks about what people wore what kind of clothes they wore and mm. and the food they ate and what their what the women's lives were like and what the men did what their work life was like mm. and raising children and so it will walk you through each era and explain how that changed and what that was like that is so helpful too. Yeah. All right. Getting down to the end of my list here. Uh, another helpful tool to have is a Bible reading or maybe a Bible study plan. Mm -hmm. So speak to that, the importance of having a plan of some sort as we try to study the Bible. You know, I think it really helps us to be disciplined. And on days, if we don't have a plan, we can wake up and say, I don't really know what to read today. And before we know it, we're playing Wordle and then the, <laughs> our Bible reading time is gone. <laughs> Having a plan is a really helpful tool to just kind of get up, know what you're going to read that day and get right into it without having to try to f spend time figuring out what you feel like reading. Mm. And uh, we miss out so much that way. Do I feel like reading a psalm today? Maybe I feel like reading a gospel passage. We're going to miss out if we don't have a plan. We don't, we don't want to be rigid, you know, by January the 20th, they give up altogether. Yeah. Plan is helpful. And, and so truth be told, I don't follow any plan, really. Mm. I, I, my church does a Bible reading plan, and I do my best to keep up with that, but I don't always. And they read two chapters in the Bible a day, and I usually just pick one of those mm. and read it uh, instead of two. But, but that's, that's even aside from my own Bible reading plan. So, so this is my Bible reading plan. On January 1st, it's my annual tradition, I sit down and I map out my own Bible reading plan for the year. Mm. And I always begin that day with Psalm 119 
I read through that prayerfully. It's about love for God's word and God's way. So I want to pray through that psalm on New Year's Day. And then when I finish doing that, I make my Bible reading plan. I always begin with the gospel. And then I will pick an Old Testament book. And then I will set up a New Testament book. And I go back and forth to where I think it's going to cover enough to get me through the whole year. What I love about that is if I decide I really want to park in a particular book because it's really gripping me or I want to go deeper, then I can spend a month on a chapter of the Bible or or I can just read through it and go on to the next one. Yeah. And if I don't make it through my plan, that's okay. I bump them to the next year or yeah. I say, you know, so when I just keep a, a checklist to make sure I'm going through every book oh, and check them off and it can take me a few years. Yeah. So you're not necessarily trying to map out what you're going to read on every day. No. So, some plans do that for you and that's, that's great. Right. But you're just more like I'm putting the biblical books in a certain order. Yes. And then working through those. Yes. Instead, huh. Yes. So I don't, you know, it's just I go gospel first, then an Old Testament book, then a New Testament book. Why do you think you always want to start with a gospel? Um, I, I just, I want to be so, I want to be in the words Jesus said, mm. and I want to focus on the gospel message. I want to, it's just, it's just so foundational for me. Mm. And I mean, we know that Jesus, I mean, he's in every word of the Bible, of course. Yeah. It's all he said, not just the red letters, but, but it, it's, it's so... It just anchors me in Christ and and His person, and I want to. I just it helps me focus on Him mm. so much. And yeah. then, I just I, I don't I don't even really know for sure, but that's just my tradition now. Yeah, yeah. and that's part of it too. Is it just kind of? Uh, I'm sure as you've done this for years, decades, you do start to develop little habits, little things that you like to do that aren't right or wrong necessarily, but just are kind of the way you like to do it. Yeah. Does that come out in other ways and with relation to studying the Bible? I think so. I think where that's where I started doing the commentary thing. Mm. When I picked Ezekiel, That I hadn't done that, and I thought, I've got to put Ezekiel in because I have never put that in my plan. And so when it got, I got near to that, I was a little intimidated. So I thought, well, I'm just going to get a commentary to help me with this. Mm. And... Uh, so that that's now become uh, a habit, and I I will never I will never read the commentary before the Bible passage. I prayerfully read through the passage, and then after I've done my reading and listening to the Lord, then I will read the commentary to be sure I'm understanding correctly. Mm. And so that's that's become a habit as well. Because I think that that's one of the dangers of commentaries, or even just a study Bible, is we maybe too quickly rely on that commentary to help us understand. We don't really want to take the time to do the hard work ourselves. And to listen, mm. right? We're so quick to want an answer. What about just, just thinking about it prayerfully, meditating on it? And, and you know, I, I won't automatically, I will never automatically go to the notes. That is, that is always backup mm. to, make, to make sure my own understanding is... is accurate yeah. and a spirit imparted. And so it's, it's there as, it's there as a, a reinforcement or a, or a corrective. Uh, so I think it is important to serve in that way. But, but some people, I think, I think it's a mistake to start out reading the passage, then reading the notes and then just saying, okay, I've done my Bible reading today. Mm. Mm, it, it, it really should just be a reinforcement. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue into the last thing I wanted to highlight, something you've already mentioned a little bit, but uh, and that's just prayer, having prayer be a, a foundational part of what it means to study and read the Bible. Um, I wonder if you could just 
walk us through what would be the kind of the key things that you're praying after you've read your Bible for the day? When I've asked God to open my heart and illuminate what he would say to me that day, there's always some conviction of sin. And even if I don't feel it, it's there on the page. Mm. Or or there's an application point of some sort. And, and there's always, always, always something about God that's been revealed. Mm. So I will, I will ask the Lord to... I will thank him for that attribute. I will praise him for it. I will ask for deeper understanding. And I will ask him to help me think on it during the day mm. and to understand what what about his character that is indicating mm. that that that's he's showing. If you think people say God told me, God told me, well yeah, he did in his word. So are we listening? And mm. that's the thing. That's where he speaks to us mm. is in his word. So if we sit down with our Bible and understand that it is God speaking to us, then whether we feel something, it is still him speaking to us, mm. no matter our mood. And so he is always saying something. Yeah, sometimes I've found that, you know, you know, as we're reading a passage, if we don't understand it, it can be hard to apply it. It can be hard to see how it is relevant for our lives. All scripture uh, does speak about Jesus, ultimately in the gospel and our need of him. It teaches us about God. So, so, yeah, help us understand how sometimes uh, it's that first step of understanding Scripture that then leads it to feel more relevant to us. Well, it's understanding that this is God's Word to us. It's God speaking to us. So he has something to say to us in every word of the Bible, Mm. even if it doesn't seem relevant to our lives or our particular situation or context. So, for example, you think about Ezekiel, a challenging book that you look at and think, what, what do these visions have anything to do with anything about life today or, mm. or real life anyway? And then you think, well, what does it say about God? That's the question we need to ask. So, so when you think one of those visions involves, it's a, it's a picture of God slowly leaving the temple. Mm. And the temple was where his presence dwelt in those days where his people would go to meet with him. And so with the withdrawing of the presence, it was the people's sin was so great that God had given them so much time to repent, and they had not. So so he was withdrawing. And what do we learn about that? There is relevance to that because it's showing us that God is grieved by sin. He's grieved then by our sin. He's He is reluctant to leave he left slowly. Mm. So he does not quick to judge and, and, and show wrath or anger. He loves to show mercy. And so that is so relevant to mm, us. And then yeah. you think you think about another type of thing. The genealogies are another good example. The, two of the hardest examples in all of the Bible. Right? So you look at that and say, what does this have to do with today or really anything beyond those initial people? Well, it has. what does it tell us about God? Mm. It tells us that he knows people by name. He knows everyone by name, including us. It means that he keeps his promises because the genealogies are meant to show us the thread of one generation to the next and how he was bringing a savior out of a line of people mm. and specific people, not just people in general, not just the Israelites, but specific individuals. Mm. God cares about people and he cares about his promises. Mm. So even in those things, we need to ask ourselves, what do these difficult passages that, that seem 
irrelevant, tell us about God because each one tells us something mm. about God. And have you, have you found that to be true in your own life of study that even when you maybe initially approached a passage and it felt pretty irrelevant, it, pre- it felt pretty foreign to you, that as you actually dug in and tried to study it with some of the tools that we've even talked about today, that it kind of came alive to you in a new way? Yes. If I, if I, if I don't say, what does this have to do with me? Mm. That's the mistake we can make, yeah. is to say, what does this show me about God? Because once we see that, we know him, we praise him, we love him more, we know him better. And then out of that, the mm. ripple effect is, that's what it has to do with us. Yeah. Because God is in a relationship with us. That's how he speaks to us. That's so good. Sometimes we are quick to, we think of application as just, how does this change my life tomorrow? Right. And, and that we kind of shortchange what maybe the text is often mostly focused on, which is, Here's who God is. Exactly. Yeah. That's he's he wants us to know him and what a gift and privilege we have mm. of knowing him. So every word in the Bible tells us something about him. If we will do the digging, it's yeah. worth it. So worth it. Well, yeah, thanks so much for helping us to maybe better understand some of these tools that help us dig, these these tools of the dig uh, that let us get into the Bible a little bit more deeply. Well, it's exciting that we have so many resources that are available mm. to us and I hope we can all make great use of them. That was Lydia Brownback on 12 Key Tools for Bible Study. For more, be sure to check out her new Flourish Bible Study series with Crossway. Pick up your copy of a study in the series today for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. That helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.